Culinary Institute of Child Nutrition proudly welcomes you to The Mix-Up, an iBytes production. I'm your host, Chef Patrick Garmong, mixing it up with culinary experts from the child nutrition community. Welcome back to The Mix-Up. I am here today with our first-time repeat guest, Michelle Poyer. Michelle, welcome. We're so honored to have you here today. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here again. <laughs> yeah, is our first return guest. So you've changed jobs since we last spoke. I think we recorded in October of 2000. Is that right? I think so. Wow, yeah. it's been a minute. It has been. So what have you been up to? I have, I, I was formerly the um, Central Kitchen Supervisor in Palm Springs Unified in California. And I have moved on to Greener Pastures. I'm now the Director of Nutrition Services for Harupa Unified School District. Um, which is still in California. It's about an hour away. Okay. So we're in San Diego right now. Where is that from here? It's about two hours. Northeast? Um, it's, it's north. I guess this is as west as we can go. So it's, it, yeah, it's going to be northeast. <laughs> Just north up, northeast. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Far. What's the size of your district? Uh, we have about 19,000 students. Okay. Yeah. So in comparison to Palm Springs, is that about half or around? No, it's only a little bit less. Uh, oh, okay. Palm Springs has about 20,000 students. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, currently. I mean, nice. if, you're, if you're talking pre-pandemic, it's, it's a big difference. But currently, uh -huh. um, yeah, we're at about 19,000. Palm Springs is around 20. Um, Palm Springs has 27 schools. We have 24. Okay. So similar size scope. Yeah. If that's yeah. nice. Kind of be able to stay in that, I don't know, comfort zone is the right term, but like feeling pretty good about where you're at. Honestly, uh, as... As the chef, really, in Palm Springs, I was fine with 27 schools. As the director with 24 schools, I was a wee bit nervous. Yeah, I bet. Honestly, yeah, as a first-time director. Yeah. So, I mean, talk to me about that. What inspired you to kind of take that next leap? I think a lot of times chefs in child nutrition think, oh, being the chef, the district chef is kind of the end of the line for me, or I might end up in an assistant role, but never thinking they're going to end up in a director's chair. And I mean, I was a director and a chef. You're a director and a chef. I know a lot of folks now that have transitioned from being the district chef into a director role. So what kind of pushed you in that direction? Uh, for me, a lot of it was the advocacy. Um, so as the chef, I was, I was really mentored quite a bit um, from my previous director, uh -huh. uh, Stephanie Bruce. Um, and, you know, she gave me a lot of opportunity. Yeah. Uh, I was a sponge. I took everything that I could. Uh, so I wanted to go everywhere that I could to learn. And through that, um, I went to the legislative action conferences. And through that advocacy, I really kind of found what I feel like is my purpose, my passion um, for feeding kids. Uh, and for me, it was kind of the logical next step. Yeah, You know, like, if I, you know, I'm the chef and I make all the food and that's great. But now I want to make the decisions right? as to yeah. how that food is made, what that menu looks like, everything. I want to make those decisions. And and as the director, my hands are in everything. Yeah. Yeah. All of my people will tell you that my hands are in everything. <laughs> I think it probably annoys them, but. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think it's really important for a director to understand every facet of their program. Um, and that can be challenging with larger districts. Yeah. So, I mean, my district, for me, it was a sweet spot. It was five schools and I was in every school at least once a week because it was easy. But, you know, there's there's different challenges when you have a district of that size. So, remind me, how long have you been in your new role? About 18 months. About 18 months. Yeah. Okay. So you're kind of coming in on that first year, semi post-pandemic, semi like we don't still know what's going on. The like, true test will that? be the end of this year. Yeah. Okay. You know, the end of I started at the end of 2021. Okay. 
so 21, 22 was my first full school year. Yeah. Um, and, and we ended up with a very positive, um, balance on our books. Yeah. Uh, how to say, um, <laughs> We're, You're changing we're, your language now instead of like, oh, our meals are great. Our our bottom line was in good check. That's, a, that's some director well, talk, yeah. <laughs> in in all honesty, the bottom line wasn't there when when I arrived. Yeah, okay. Uh, so that was one of the biggest challenges Kudos. for me is to kind of you know get over that hurdle. Yeah. Um, while still trying to do everything I can to make the meals more palatable and all that amidst all of the problems we were having last right. year was a, it was a nightmare. Um, I spent many, many days just chasing food, yeah, literally, because I have standards. And so there are things that I just, I won't compromise on. I'm not going to buy that product because I don't like it. Right. Right. You know, and, and I don't, it's not a clean label. It's just, it, to me, it's not good nutrition. Right. It's not the, the purpose and the intent of the program within that product that was available at the time. Exactly. Right. Um, you know, and so I went through so much just to get some changes made on that menu. The previous yeah. director did a lot of IQF stuff and, you know, everybody did 2020. Uh, but you know, my students really wanted something different. And so I made yeah. incremental changes and, and, um, I got some positive feedback and, and we ended up on the positive on that first year. That's awesome. And so really, you know, for me, the, the, you know, yeah. the money's going to meet the road when I actually do the same thing this year, which right. will happen. I absolutely am 100% secure in that we will have a positive balance at the end of this year as well. That's awesome. Um, but I've made additional changes. I mean, I've gone to a lot of fast scratch. Uh -huh. and my staff doesn't really like me all that much about really that. But, <laughs> that's a transition, right? You know, honestly, that's what the students are calling for. That's what the students want. They want something fresh, not out of a plastic package. Correct. Yeah. And so I've, I've, I've eliminated almost 100% of my IQF products. Wow. Um, I do still buy some processed product. I yeah. buy them in bulk yeah. so that we can manipulate them. Right. There's nothing wrong with buying a bulk burrito. Mm -hmm. And then we can make it a wet burrito with some, you know, enchilada sauce and some cheese and, and put our spin on it. Right. Um, you know, but I'm real. I really focus on higher quality ingredients and a clean label. I mean, yeah. that's for me. That's the key. It, it, we can transform. You know, as chefs, you know, yeah. we can transform just about anything. I can mm -hmm. walk into anybody's kitchen and make something out of nothing, right? Without a problem. Yeah. You know, it's a gift. It's a gift from God. <laughs> the Lord loves me in that way. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, so in schools. You know, you take the right seasonings and, and spices and, and things and you can transform that. Yeah. Um, and we do it all the time. And it's just it, it, it's it's a difficult transition right now with staff. Right. So staffing wide, like every everyone I talk to seems to have some form of a labor issue. As you were transitioning in, was your staff, I mean, like half capacity or what, what kind of Ugh. what kind of staffing did you walk into and where are you at now? I'll tell you, there's 139 positions on the books okay. for my district. And on any given day last year, I was down 30 to 40 people. Wow. So we ran with about 98 people daily. Okay. So last year, you could guarantee that I was in a kitchen every single day. Right. So that we didn't stop. And I was generally at our biggest schools because they needed the most help. Mm -hmm. um, and closing a window at a high school is just, you just can't do that. Right. I mean, I'm imagining your high school situation is similar to most where you're feeding almost the entire school in one meal period or two. Yes. No, one. One. Yeah. And it's all of our middle schools, all of our high schools, one meal period. And um, how long are those meal periods? 20, 30 minutes? Tops? 30 33, I think, is, 33. is where we're that, at. That weird little, yeah. it's like, stupid. Just it's, passing time in the hall or whatever they call it. 
I, for instance, my largest high school is about 24, 2,500 students. Uh, we barely feed 40% of them. And we have 15 windows. Wow. If I have all my staff. If I yeah. don't have all my staff, you know, we could have 12 or 13. But that's still, that's a lot of, that's a lot of points of service. Mm -hmm. And we are still not able to service all of the students because there's just not enough time. Right. Because here's the thing, that 33 minutes is their eating time and their socializing time. Right. It's the only time they get besides their like three minute passing periods, four minute passing periods to talk to their friends mm -hmm. outside of class. Right. Why do I, I don't understand why we limit it so much. I mean, that's one of the things that for me in my district that I'm going to advocate for is more time. Yeah. So they need it. Right. You know, it just, if yeah. they don't want to do two lunches, that's fine, but let's give them a little extra time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of uh, the camp at your high school level, is it open campus, closed campus? They're all open campuses. They're open campuses. Yeah. So you're not just competing with long wait lines that you have no control over. You're also competing with freedom, right? The avail 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 excuse me, the availability to leave campus and interact in different environments and purchase food out on the other market. So that that's a challenge that's uh, I'm very familiar with because we had an open campus as well and. Um, you know, I think, especially in my position, you know, those who stayed on lunch, they were stigmatized, stayed on campus during lunch. They were stigmatized because it's like, oh, your family, you know, can't afford for you to go to McDonald's or the, or the burrito cart. So you're having school lunch, you know, um, has that, is there a shift in that here in California since, you know, y'all have kind of moved to the universal feeding or has, has that not even had a chance to really take effect yet? I, I actually think the universal feeding has increased um, our participation. Uh -huh. I am up in participation for lunch overall throughout the district, about 14%. Oh, that's great. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely, I think there's a lot of factors in that. I yeah. think that universal feeding is one of them. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also CEP, uh, okay. so that helps too. Right. Because, so, but we do still have that stigma, and uh -huh. I do want to see that change. And I think you know everything is baby steps so it will happen yeah um i meet with parent groups i meet with as many people as i can to get that message out there you know so that they understand that you know we want your student to eat uh-huh i do not ever put anything on the menu because it's easy for me right i put things on the menu very intentionally that i think the students are going to like mm -hmm. and when i go, i go to student groups too and so when i talk to those student groups and they tell me we don't really like that i pull it right I pull it and I put something else on, yeah. you know, I ask for their opinions, you know, a lot of times their opinions, you know, it's things I can't do, you know, like, right. what do you want? We want in and out. Okay. Well, I can't give you in and out, <laughs> right? but, but I can maybe do something yeah, twist as on close something. to in and out as possible. Right. You know, and if you could accept that, you know, Ken's dressing makes this boom, boom sauce that is pretty close. You know, it's got a little spice to it, which my yeah. kids love, yeah. but add that to your burger and it, it you know it, it might make a little Getting impact a little for closer. you right yeah so yeah. you know i try um but yeah it's it's difficult but my office is right down the street from one of my high schools uh -huh. and i see the migration of students coming from starbucks ah. every morning onto campus yeah and so for us in california we can't serve coffee okay the cde doesn't allow it uh -huh. um usda allows it but mm -hmm. CDE doesn't, so we have to not serve coffee. But if I was allowed to serve coffee, that migration wouldn't happen. 
Right. You could change would, your program, right? I would keep them on campus. I would serve more breakfast. Yeah. In all honesty. Right. So that's kind of a barrier. Yeah. I mean, and more, probably a more nutritious and well-balanced breakfast than what they're getting at, at Starbucks, especially if they're getting, you know, the gla- sugar glazed loaf of something or cinnamon bun that's just loaded with sugar. Just forget about it. Just the coffee. Right. The oh. <laughs> triple espresso with the chocolate pumps and 18 pumps of vanilla. Yeah. And then all there, it's just, you know, it's sugar water. Yeah. That's what absolutely. they're getting. Yeah. Right. And so we could provide something better. Yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, I mean, that's the, those are the things that, those are the hurdles that, you know, we as directors have to advocate to, to get over. Right. You know, and that's, that's really where my passion lies is, is going up to Sacramento and, and, you know, informing the legislative. What's going on? This is what's really going on. Right. I take pictures so that I can bring them. Yeah. That, you know, when that I go, physical evidence, right? right? I mean, it's not just a a story that you're sharing or an anecdote. It's like, this is actual rubber meat in the road, physical proof that this is what's going on in our programs. Exactly. This is what's happening. They're just, they're migrating over there. Yeah. Let's bring them back. Yeah. Because what happens is when they leave school, you know, there's a percentage of them that don't come back. Right. And we want them to come back. We want yeah. them to get their education. Right. You know, yeah. so it's, it's been, it's been quite a journey. Yeah. I mean, and especially with the, you know, I mean, the meal period is supposed to be part of the nutrition education that happens within the, the capacity of the school day. And when our students are fleeing campus to go out and find alternate meal sources from the ones that we provide, that, that's challenging to drive home that, that education on nutrition as right. well. Well, they're it, missing. Yeah. Yeah. It's missing out. It, well, and we're almost, uh, you know, the districts are almost nullifying healthy eating when they do that. They're just like, oh, well, see you later. We don't want to supervise you at the moment or don't have the capacity to supervise you. So we're going to let you off campus and you're going to go make some poor choices because that's what's available to you in a quick, fast environment. Right. And the reality is, is, you know, I mean, a lot of them, they get up six o'clock in the morning and they don't get back home until eight o'clock at night. Right. Because they're student athletes. Yeah. You know, and so whether it's a, whether they're student athletes at school or they participate in a community program, they still are not home until eight o'clock at night. Yeah. And their parents make some poor choices for them too. Right. So dinner is Del Taco or McDonald's or whatever. So that is also one of the things that is a barrier for us because the kids, what the, what they're used to eating is so laden with sodium, fat, sugar, bad things right. that that's their palate. Right. The the Western palates become, you know, the things that should be treats are part of our staple diet. And we're we're trying to counteract that in the lunchroom. And um, that might be the only exposure that they're getting or or the the majority of the exposure they're getting to those things. So as a you'll never be a former chef, always a chef. That's right. Always. Always a chef and a director. You know, what are the areas that you focus in on to try to bridge that gap between I mean, we kind of talked about like the in and out thing a little bit, but trying to meet meet them in the middle, so to speak, so that we're, we're bringing them on this journey with us. You know, um, you talked a little bit about speed scratch. What are some of those recipes that you found have been working well with your students that kind of help bridge that gap? I, I, I really try and look at trends. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and thankfully, I have five kids, so <laughs> it helps. Right. You know, yeah. I, I taste test with them all the time. So one of the things that um, my high school junior really likes is kimchi. Oh, so nice. I kind of don't want to let this out of the bag because I'm going to um, enter it into a contest with JTM, but I'm going to do a sandwich with with kimchi. That's awesome. And I have one of my cafeteria managers actually uh, went through culinary school 
and is a chef herself. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of tasked her with creating a homemade kimchi. Yeah. And I've, I've given her a recipe and, and I'm asking her to just test and, 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 and really do some research and development for me um, so that we can kind of make our own kimchi, mm -hmm. put our own spin on this sandwich um, and kind of be on trend. Yeah. And that's really, you know, for me, that's the thing that's going to get the students in like, mm -hmm. like Nashville hot chicken. Right. Really big right now. Yeah. So we serve it. Right. We serve it and we serve a lot of it. The kids love it. Yeah. So it's just finding those little niches of things that the kids are really going for uh -huh. and, and try and find the way that we can do it yeah. at school so that, you know, we're, we're getting those kids in. Yeah. Demographics wise, um, you know, kind of the ethnic br breakdown of your community that you're serving, what, what kind of, um, I don't know. You don't have to give me like full percentages, but like, you know, kind of what's the mix there? Um, you know, when I was operating, we had a really large Hispanic population because we were in a heavy ag area. So, you know, I really try to focus menus to, to meet their needs as, as frequently as possible. I'm sure you're probably trying to do the same with different ethnic groups in your um, yes. in your district. Yeah. So we are also in a very heavy ag area. Uh -huh. um, and so we are about 87 percent Latino okay. or Hispanic. Yeah. Um, so I do focus a lot on um, Hispanic foods. We have a small population of um, Asian, African-American, um, and Sikh students that don't oh, eat beef and pork. Right. Um, so I, I'm doing my best to figure out that where it's, it's really, it's finding where those students are actually at, uh -huh. you know, which schools do I have that population right. so that I can kind of adjust the menu at that school to meet their needs. But I don't have a whole lot of, like vegan or vegetarian kids. My kids are mostly meat and potatoes. Meat and potato farm oh, yeah, kids. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not a huge, that's not a huge drive for me. Uh-huh. You know, the plant-based is is not a huge drive for me at this moment. Right. Because I just don't have the call for it. Yeah. But give it another month. That might change. <laughs> <laughs> Someone might start TikToking about it and then you got to change your menus exactly. to reflect that new trend and that's true. what's going on out there. Yeah. So what do you have, what have you found to be the most rewarding change moving from the kitchen to the director's chair, even though you're still in your kitchen seemingly every day, <laughs> but just having that different lens that you're looking through. Uh, that's, honestly, it's, it's really being able to, to talk to the students one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. more often. I do get to see them more often um, and they give me their, you know, they're candid. Yeah. They don't, they don't pull any punches. Um, and some of them just, just, they just delight me. They just make me laugh. Yeah. I have this one student who made a proposal for me and I'm still wondering whether it was a joke. Um, <laughs> he wanted to ban salad from school. Oh, interesting. And so he put together a PowerPoint, the whole nine yards and did a presentation for me. I was in hysterics. It was really <laughs> funny. Yeah. And, he was so straight faced. Um, I still like, he's got me. Like, I don't know if he was serious or <laughs> right. if it was a joke it's or what, and, you know, <laughs> but yeah, that kind of interaction, I really never got working yeah. in the central kitchen. Right. I was, you know, in a box, I was yeah. in a 10,000 square foot box, making food all day long. I, I just can't like, what was his rationale for banning salads? Uh, this is just slaying me right now. Oh, it was so funny. He, it was about saving turtles. Um, <laughs> it was, it was, that's why I thought it was a joke. Like right. some of this stuff, I was like, we need a salad to feed the turtles, so we shouldn't be eating it. Okay. You know, all, 
it taking was, their food, I guess, is his rationale. Oh, my God. It was so funny. Okay. I did. Uh, but Apparently, you guys is, serve a lot of sea lettuce <laughs> at your district. <laughs> so weird. But you know what? That 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 student just, you know, he really wanted to make a point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, point taken. You right. know, I mean, I'm like, I'll look at that. And I said, you know what? You don't have to take salad. Right. I still have to serve it. You right. don't have to take it, though. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it gave me an opportunity to really, you know, sit with this kid for a little while. And he was so straight faced. It's it's like you just can't tell. Yeah. Well, I think those interactions are so important, though. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're helping educate him as he's doing this presentation to you even. Right. Learning how to how to speak to uh, someone in a position of power or authority. That's very uncomfortable for a lot of people at a young age, especially when they have to actually put together a. a a presentation, something scripted, something really well thought out. You know, I think sometimes they can speak truth to power when they're fly off the handle a little too often. <laughs> you know, this this age group, but really getting them to focus in on the the cause and effect of their their mission is huge. And and be able to listen to them and then help kind of sculpt your. I mean, I'm not saying you're going to change salads because of this guy, but I mean, you know, other conversations that these students have, you know, can help shape your menus and and make sure that you're responsive to their needs. And it sounds like you're doing a great job with that. Well, thank you. I, I try. And and I do. I, you know, that that's that's the thing. You know, we had a student who was homeless mm -hmm. and needed food. Yeah. Uh, and my cafeteria manager was she she came into me and she's like, I'm going to tell on myself. And I was like, it's all good. Here's a backpack. Please go fill that backpack for that student. I don't care what the regulations say. Fill it and and make sure this kid is fed. And then I need to know her name so that we can get her some services. Yeah. Um, and we did. We ultimately got that student some services and got her out, of, you know, got her homed. Uh -huh. um, but that's where that's where it really hits. Right. You know, you see the direct impact and the direct impact that my cafeteria managers have on every student. Um, you know, customer service has to be the number one thing that we sell. Right. It has to be because without that, she wouldn't have made that connection with that girl and we wouldn't have gotten her the help that she needed. So that's my number one. Like we have to have the best customer service and you have to interact with those students because you're the only one in the whole school, in the entire district that can possibly potentially see every student multiple times a day. Yeah breakfast lunch possibly supper we are the only ones the cafeteria people are the only staff yeah that see those students at a specific time every day yeah i mean i i remember my staff i mean they knew all the kids that came through the line you know after a month or so of the school year and and then they'd know them for you know ever after that but you know they were the ones that kind of knew like hey something's not right at home or this kid just he's just different than he's been like or she's been and you know Maybe I need to ask that extra question. And, you know, we'd, we'd definitely I'd, I'd come into me and say, hey, Patrick, you know, this someone's not right. Can you pass on some information? The counselor might want to talk to this child. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So and that, you know, I mean, that's that's where that's where it really makes the biggest difference. Yeah. And that's where we're really making an impact. Well, and food services, I mean, it's perhaps one of the most intimate um, professions there is because you are preparing something that someone is consuming and placing into their body. You know, I think sometimes we lose focus on because we're doing so much at once, the intimacy level that is alive in food service and in, in how we interact with people. And I mean, we're nourishing bodies with what we do. Well, food is my love language. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, 
it, it just is. I mean, when 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 somebody doesn't doesn't feel well or 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 somebody passes, I don't send flowers. Right. I send food. Yes. Because that's that's how I speak. Right. That's that's where I can say, you know, I I need to help you make you feel better and I know this is going to do it. Yeah. You know, so that's yeah. how that's really how we talk. That's how we spread our love is is through tummies. Yeah. And I, I love that too. I mean, with the sending food instead of flowers, because it's all, I've always felt so bad about sending flowers, especially after there's been a passing in a in a, someone's life, because now this bouquet is going to perish as well. And it's kind of like almost a sad reminder as you're having to clean up this perish thing. So like sending the food, which is nourishing and heartwarming and, and just gives a good feeling of spirit is so much nicer than yeah. having someone, a project to clean up to remind them of loss. So I hate to be so bold, but <laughs> you know, it's, that's just my own two cents. So, yeah. um, this has been awesome. Thank you. Yeah. It's so great to reconnect and, yes. um, listeners, we were just, uh, at a, at a conference and ran into each other and it's like, what have you been up to? And so she's like, yeah, I'm a director now. I kind of lost track of where she was because I didn't see her on the Palm Springs district page. I was going to reach out to her for a question. I was like, I don't know where she went. So <laughs> running into her here at a conference and be able to reconnect. This has just been absolutely amazing. What so far has been kind of a big takeaway for you this this week? For this conference? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, I don't mean to be negative or rude or anything, but I think the biggest takeaway is the disconnect that the USDA has with what's really happening on the ground. I, well, I do feel that. I, I think that listening session today kind of helped open some eyes. Definitely. So. And um, you had some people very high up there that were listening and, and taking note and some really good suggestions from both industry and um, operators um, and that they definitely took to heart. So, um, you know, it's, we are it's a very passionate bunch, <laughs> very passionate bunch. Yes. Yes. Child nutrition folks are perhaps one of the more passionate groups in, in, food service and hospitality yeah overall so so but it's been a great it's been a great conference that's so awesome far. yeah funny side note we're, so we're sitting here at a hotel that michelle used to actually work at years ago early in her culinary career so it's kind of funny to this whole circle thing that's going on right now reconnecting after a couple of years and meeting at conference at a place that used to work this has just been a real kick so thank you so much for joining me today absolutely thank you this yeah it is funny fun. i haven't been here in almost 30 years it's funny oh wow <laughs> <laughs> i'm old folks <laughs> <laughs> well you're keeping us all young with with uh, the way you're doing things and feeding our children so thank you for everything that you're doing thank you and i appreciate congratulations it congratulations on your new position that's oh, awesome thank you i love it i did yeah. have a little bit of uh imposter syndrome in the beginning oh you know what i've gotten over it i feel like i still had it when i left and <laughs> still have it today so you know i think that just shows that you're passionate about what you're doing and you care and um you just want to be the best so yeah that's the goal i yeah. want to be the best well you're on your way yeah, thank you awesome <laughs> all right thank you so much and we'll see you all next time on the next mix up join us next time as we continue to mix it up with culinary experts from the child nutrition community I've been your host, Chef Patrick Garmong from the Culinary Institute of Child Nutrition. Hey, don't forget to wash your hands. This project has been funded at least in part with federal funds from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Food and Nutrition Service through an agreement with the Institute of Child Nutrition at the University of Mississippi. 
The contents of this publication do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, nor does mention of trade names, commercial products, or organizations imply endorsement by the U.S. government. The University of Mississippi is an EEO AA Title VI, Title IX, Section 504, ADA, ADEA employer. In accordance with federal law and U.S. Department of Agriculture policy, this institution is prohibited from discriminating on the basis of race, color, national origin, sex, age, or disability. To file a complaint of discrimination, write USDA Director, Office of Civil Rights, Room 326W, Whitney Building, 1400 Independence Avenue, Southwest, Washington, D.C., 202-509410 or call 202-720-5964. USDA is an equal opportunity provider and employer.